episode of Press YYZ. We're the only Canadian gaming podcast that you can catch live on Twitch every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as well on podcast services um, and YouTube every Thursday. My name is Nathan McInerney. How are you guys doing tonight? And today I am joined by Cozy. Cozy, how are you doing? I've been better, but... Uh, and I talked to you about this before the show. You know, one of the reasons why I do press YZ is that I find that mm-hmm. uh, coming out of every episode of the show, I always feel just a little bit lighter. I find that doing press YZ is a usually rejuvenating experience. And so I hope that uh, tonight's slightly shorter than usual episode will help in that regard. But we'll see. Yeah. So as Cozy mentioned there, we're going to keep today's episode a little bit shorter. I don't think we have a huge amount of gaming to talk about that we've been playing. I know um, Cozy wants to touch on Tunic, so we'll come back to that as our Press YYZ reviewy game. Um, And uh, yeah, so we'll we'll touch base on that. And we're going to talk tonight about Sony's new subscription offering. And is it good? So I guess we're going to find out once we give an official degree, correct, Cozy? I mean, I hope that we can figure it out. So before that, and before we get started, as a reminder, as always, that we here at Press YYZ stand against discrimination of any kind. And while we appreciate however you choose to give back to our show, there's no better way to support us by being excellent to each other. So um, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, our next Press YYZ review game is Virtue's Last Reward. Now, I think um, I, actually I didn't uh, acknowledge the elephant in the room. AJ is out sick this week dealing with sickness in his household. Um, And I know he's been playing Tunic as well. So we're going to hold off on the full review of Tunic until next week when AJ can join us. Um, But I know Cozy wants to share some thoughts on it because he has been playing it. In the meantime, we will... We are going to announce what the next game is because it's going to be a slightly longer game. Uh, Virtue's Last Reward. Now, if you're not familiar, it's part of the Nonary Games collection uh, that just came out on Game Pass. It is one of my favorite games of all time it was my first or second platinum trophy on the um playstation i adore virtue's last reward um it's a fantastic story that from beginning to end that will grip you um and so our existing plan right now is to talk about that on the april 20th episode unless we feel we need a little bit more time it's 28 hours for main story according to it's been a while um i thought it was closer to 20 hours but i mean told by how long to beat that is 28 for the main story and 36 for the completion so it's tough because virtue's last reward is a like visual novel slash escape room game hybrid and so i feel like that the way in which you quantify time spent with those sorts of games is a little bit different from say the time spent with a game like tunic which is entirely like a tactile uh adventure experience so yeah and it might not surprise you to hear that I was I'm really good at escape rooms and like escape rooms really fall into the adventure game category, which I have a right. plethora of experience in. Yeah. So uh, my brain kind of figures that stuff out pretty quickly. I, I never got really stuck, but I know some people ha- did have problems and need to look up guides. So and there's no shame if you have to look up a guide for a qu- to figure something out. For sure. So um so yeah so that's the current plan right now we'll keep you guys updated try virtues last reward it's so good and it's on game pass as part of the nonary games collection uh from the zero escape series it's the second one in the series technically 999 is first um, that was released on the ds um and i never played it there i played it when it was ported as part of the collection on playstation 4 i believe 
uh, later. And that yes. was after I'd played. And that was the last one I played because um, there's three in the series. 999, Virtue's Last Reward, and Zero Time Dilemma. And I did VLR, ZTD, and then 999. And if I recall correctly, when they re-released 999, they re-released it as Zero Escape, the Nonary Games, correct? Yes, that is correct, right. yes. Because they, so this... they wanted to rebrand it to kind of like more closely associate it with the other two games, which both had Zero in their titles. Yes, uh, 100%. The Zero Escape series is one of my favorites. It's super dark, um, but super cool. Very twisty. Lots of plot things you just won't see coming. In fact, Cozy, I'm just going to put this down right now. Your mind will be blown. There's a okay. point in Virtue's Last Reward, which you will not see coming, and your mind will be blown. And I expect a message from you when that happens. All right. Well, I'll okay. get back to you with my message uh, should that moment arise. So um, that being said, uh, what else? Oh, hey, I'm still playing Lego Dimensions because Cozy last week was like, yeah, tonight's like tomorrow night should be the last night. No, we were only halfway through at that point, Cozy. Oh, wow. I looked at the level list. We were only halfway through. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> so we now, got a few more weeks of... <laughs> What I want to know is, are you artificially extending the length of the game by putting down these expansion packs like the portal level, for example? Like if you were not putting down the portal level or the Homer Simpson Springfield level, like would this game be going much faster? No, those were all in the main story campaign. Oh, those are not the expansion packs or oh, really? level packs or anything. See, That's not, all part of the main game. We're, we're veering off course just a little bit. But so yep. what do the like portal to like Lego expansion packs add to the game? Do they just add the ability to play as Shell or as like the companion bot? So um, it will. OK, so like for the portal to and now it's been a while. So I may not get this right, but uh, like for back to the future, for instance, you play as Marty and you redo back to the future one, essentially. Gotcha. Like the story from back to the future one is in Lego form in like four or four or five levels. Um, the portal one, I think is a new story about shell and it's a proper sequel to portal two. Okay. It's canon to be a sequel to portal two is my understanding. Huh? So, um, so yeah, no, they just add new levels as well as hub worlds that you can go into, I believe as well. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, no, this is, I think this week we're going into, I have it in my scheduled tweet for tomorrow because I I'm getting better at this promoting myself thing. Um, but it's, um, ghostbusters and midway arcade. So Defender, Galaga, and something else hmm. are going to be the levels I visit tomorrow. And I don't remember. I've beaten Lego Dimensions at one point. I do not remember the Midway one at all. So I'm very curious to see what that looks like. Well, I, I, I will say, the last thing I'll say about this is I do hope that you don't get tired out by this. Because I can see a certain point where you just kind of reach the end of your wit and are like, all right, I kind of want to just see this over with all these crossovers are cute but this isn't like all that 
crazy in the way it was back in 2015 when this game first launched, given that we're living in an era now where, you know, the likes of Fortnite have cross collaborations with every IP under the sun. So up until Fortnite, I actually think this is probably one of the most successful crossovers I'd ever seen. I think it's really, really well done. Um, uh, I think, um, yeah, I can't even talk. I think it's really well done. I like the fact that, what was I doing last week? I had a Riddler who had taken over Middle Earth and I was in Portal 2 where I had like Homer Simpson pop down at some point in a, a wrecking ball that he was being smashed through with like the portals and everything. I think this is probably, and I think, so we've talked about Fortnite last week a little bit in the crossover potential and what it has to do. I actually think the crossovers are here are better done because with Fortnite, you just get a skin. There's no personality to it. There's no story. Well, maybe not. There's no story. I believe there is an overarching story with some of the characters when they're brought in. But um, th this is just like phenomenally well done and interwoven. Like we were in the Wild West of Back to the Future and Doc Brown was there a few weeks ago. Hmm. So, um, so it's really interesting. I really like it. Um, but yeah, uh, it is what it is. Um, so yeah, uh, I'll talk about what we're doing. Oh, and, uh, because we're keeping this episode shorter, although it's, we're 16 minutes in at this point. That, that um, happens when we do press wisey. We say we're going to keep it short, but inevitably we end up wasting a lot more time than intended. Yeah. Uh, but I, I still think we'll run short. Uh, the plan just right now is for me to stream Forza Horizon 4. Uh, and actually, this is probably a perfect time to segue into what I've been playing. Then we'll talk about Tunic. Hell yeah. A little bit for you. Um, but I've been playing Forza Horizon 4 on my um, Twitch channel as well as uh, WWE 2K22 and building Lego on Sunday nights because on Sunday nights we build Lego. That's a fun time. Um, and uh no so forza horizon 4 um i'm trying to get all the achievements are you aware of this no i am not aware of this i mean i'm very proud of you i want to let you know that this isn't one of those like scary embarrassing secrets that you keep from your dad and are really ashamed when it eventually comes out i'm really happy to hear mm -hmm. that you're going full achievement uh, i was about to say one word but i realized that that might not be super pc in the year 2022 uh, full achievement order. How about that? Okay. Uh, I will take that. Um, so basically there's 3,600 intended total achievements in Forza Horizon 4 because it's one of those games they added and added and added. Right. Normally they have a gamer score of 1,000. So it's quite the endeavor to get all of them. I am like about 3,300 uh, totals of gamer score on it right now. Mm. I'm getting close to the end. Do what you, um, is left? Uh, sorry, if I I realize yeah, I've been ahead. interrupting you a lot and extending our conversations no. way longer than they needed to on this particular show. I do want to know: Do you love the fact that uh, Xbox does that with their achievement lists? Like we've talked in the past on this podcast about how uh, there are some games out there, like Apex Legends, which desperately could have really benefited from an extended trophy list because that game came shipped with just like ten or so trophies and never received a like proper platinum or any additional trophies for any of the new characters that they added after launch. Um, mm -hmm. But like hearing that this game has like hundreds of uh, achievements that have been added over time kind of makes my head spin a little bit. 
Yeah, so, and keep in mind, that's not unusual for PlayStation either when um, it depends upon the company, right? And I think that's what it comes down to and what will they put effort into. Because when you look at even something we were just talking about, Lego Dimensions, every little trophy pack that came out or like story pack or character, like story pack or something had two extra like trophies with it. Right. And they would add that in. Which, uh, um, worthwhile, that was also true of the PlayStation version of that game as well, because that counted technically yeah. as DLC in that case, in which case, yes, you can continue to add more and more trophies to your list. So, um, but with every new, like, addition to Forza Horizon 4, and there were lots, because they ran with it for a little while and made lots of additions, they would put more and more trophies into it, or achievements, including the... Um, um, including the two expansion packs, which I've cleared completely that you did have to pay for. So um, so one of the modes is a Battle Royale mode. Are you familiar about this, Cozy, in Forza Horizon 4? No, I was not. This is called The Eliminator. That's what uh, we, you were playing there earlier. Mm. But the way The Eliminator works is now in Forza Horizon 4, there's not enough player count at this point to fill a whole thing. And Forza right. Horizon 5, you can get a full thing. But typically, you start off with 60 cars. And what happens is there's car drops around the map. So you got to find the car drops and upgrade your car. There's 10 levels of car, levels 1 through 10. Um, and car, the better your level, the better your car. So you can find these drops and get a better car. And then you challenge people in head to head races. And what happens is when you challenge somebody to a head to head race, uh, just finishing point pops up anywhere in the map. And the first person to get there wins and the other person's eliminated from the battle royale. At the same time, the shrinks, the circle shrinks around the map. So you have to constantly, just like a battle royale you would, you're constantly being brought closer and closer together. So as the herd thins out, it's easier and easier to find people and challenge them until you get to a final race where you then, who's ever left has to race to the end and whoever gets there first wins. Hmm. So I've had a lot of fun with that in Forza Horizon 5. I've got a win in Forza Horizon 5. Um, there isn't a bunch of, and here's the thing. In Forza Horizon 5, there is one achievement for the Eliminator. Win it. That's all. You just have to win the Eliminator. I think maybe there's another one or two. I don't know. But that that's the hardest one to get. Hmm. In, Forza, in Forza Horizon 4, they do have an achievement for winning. But they've got a lot of other achievements that were just put into the accolade system in Forza Horizon 5. Um, one of those achievements is I talked about how there's cars that are just dropped in. Sure. And you can pick them up. You have to win without picking up any of those dropped cars. Hmm. Which means that the only way you can upgrade your car is by challenging people to races and upload, upgrade, either stealing their car or upgrading one level at a time. And when I started playing the eliminator mode, um, I, on Monday night, I went in with the plan that I'm going to unlock, um, unlock, like, try and get this trophy. I have to win 50 games. That's or play 50 games. That's another thing. One of the, tr the achievements. I keep saying trophies. I'm such a terrible Xboxer. One in the same. Um, um, so you have to, um, you have to play 50 games. I'm like, okay, well I have to play 50 games. Let's get the hardest achievement out of the way while I'm playing that 50 games first. And then the rest is gravy. And I was like, well, let's focus on that to like tonight. And that was getting the win with, um no drops 
And I struggled because I was loading the games. There'd be like six players total. There'd be like maybe nine at a, at the most. And what would happen would be they'd be picking up cars and I'd be trying to challenge them without picking up a car in my level one car and not able to win. In fact, I actually got to the end twice in a level one car and the guy beat me at the end. and was just kind of like with his big level 10 car pushing me around as I was trying. Mm. <laughs> trying to race to the end being a bit of a bully um however my last match of the stream <gasps> level one car goes up against level six car i win i take their level six car whoa a level eight car challenges me <gasps> i get the level eight car because i beat them <gasps> and so then we get to the final race there's four of us left I position myself in what I think is the best position to leave that circle because you're waiting for the countdown to stop so that you can run out of the circle. Um, I even get out of the circle. If you look at that video, like before the circles lifted, because my understanding is you can take a little bit of damage before you're out of it. Let's play that video again, because I played it uh, at the front of our conversation without really understanding the context behind what I was showing on screen. Let's check it out again. Okay, so let me make sure I'm pulling up here. Yeah, give me a second. It is taking a little while to load. Okay. If we had elevator music, I would play it right now. All right. So this is the, um, you can see that pink stuff in the background. That's the ring that we have to stay in. Gotcha. Okay. So head to head has been disabled. They're doing the final countdown to get you started here. I took a peek at the map and I was like, okay, we're on this side of the map. The other, like where we're going to have to go is probably on the other side. So let's get ready to get out of this map as quickly as possible. Um, and get out of the rain in the right spot. I can see from the arrows in the little mini map that everybody's ahead. So I see the final race starting. So um, I start running. And as soon as that lifts, I'm through the through the pink part. Um, and I have to get to that point first. Mm. And you can't hit trees. You can't hit rocks because it's the first person there. So, um, but I was actually feeling pretty good. I mean, right and now, I'd like to tell you. Yeah, go ahead. That well, you, you go. Give me commentary. Well, I was going to say, like right now, it seems like you you're maintaining a pretty good distance from the people behind you. I can see their arrows on the mini map, but you know, there's still some ways yep. away. You're going through a bit of water, but you're you know doing pretty good at avoiding some trees. I see that you're hitting a few of them. You're not doing that bad from my perception, but I mean. You know, again, I've not played the Forza Horizon series, so I don't know what absolute certainty uh, of the reality of things. Seems like you're about to uh, nip it in the bud. So if you listen to the audio on this, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Oh, my God. And then I did it. All right. So and that unlocked both being the last car standing, winning the Eliminator, as well as you can see Hazel looking up at me because I'm shouting. I mean... Um, uh, and the one I'm happy. for doing it without a pickup. I'm happy because, uh, like, first time that I played this video, I wasn't really paying attention to what text was displayed on screen. I was concerned for a second there, Nathan, the way you were setting it up, that this is going to be like a Ford versus Ferrari situation where they seemingly win the race at the end. And then they're like, oh, no, technicality. You actually came in second place. Um, but no, yeah, it seems like you took home the crown. Good for you. Yeah. So um, 0.15% of people have that achievement. Wow. And I'm one of those 0.15% of people right now. Um, and that means it's not a matter of 
if I complete Forza Horizon 4 achievements, it's a matter of when at this point that I have that one through the done. So anyways, um, that's a lot about Forza Horizon 4. And I'm sorry I've talked your ear off about it. It's very good. Um, but yeah. Uh, all right, Cozy. Uh, tell us about Tunic. Sure. I, I do want to just say to put an end cap on that conversation uh, we should do a, a topic of the show in the future in which we talk about some of our rarest trophies and kind of Ooh. what they entail to get them and if we think they are truly deserving of their rarity or not because i have a i have an interesting top five when it comes to my rarest trophies that i would love to talk yeah, about I, on the podcast someday i don't disagree with that um although you'd have to eliminate platinums yeah platinums won't be included of course yeah all right Let's talk right, a ahead. little bit tunic. about Tunic. Um, so, as we talked about last week, uh, Tunic is a Soulsborne-inspired tribute to The Legend of Zelda, and also a little bit of Zelda to the Adventure Link as well, uh, in which you play as a plucky fox wearing a tunic that explores um, a world filled with mystery and danger and tries his very best uh, to survive and liberate uh, this war-torn world or perhaps it's like post-war world uh of whatever danger and darkness has befallen it let me tell you man this game may very well be my current game of the year and i i hesitated for a second there to say that because you know we are pretty early into the year we are just barely at three months into uh, 2022. So like there's still a lot of time for other newer games to come out uh, for us to experience that will you know potentially take this game's crown. I also have not played some games that have already come out that other people have branded their games of 2022, such as uh, Horizon Forbidden West or uh, Elden Ring, Elden for Ring. example. So, you know, I have to kind of factor that in as well. But putting all that aside, this is currently probably my game of the year. Um, You know, on uh, last week's episode, uh, we had Thomas Rockowitz on and he, you know, remarked that like he is getting a little bit fatigued of seeing so many games nowadays have like Soulsborne elements inserted into them. And I think, you know, his criticism of bringing that up was totally fair and justified there are definitely more than a few games i can think of in recent memory that feature Soulsborne elements that are not to uh their benefit um this is one of those games where uh i really do feel like the Soulsborne elements kind of really kind of truly enhance the experience and i don't know like what this game would be without them uh and i think that the number one kind of Soulsborne element that this game has going for it that I think truly kind of completes the sauce as it were is the kind of game's perpetual kind of sense of mystery uh, and bleakness. Um, From the start of your adventure in Tunic, you're given very little context as to who you are or what's going on. Uh, Very early on in the adventure, you meet uh, another fox that's imprisoned inside of a sphere Uh, And you can infer, okay, uh, this other fox probably needs to be rescued. And I can uh, infer that I probably have to collect three magical treasures in order to liberate them from this sphere because the sphere is made out of three glowing objects of different colors. Uh, This turns out to be correct. uh, But other than that, the game really does not provide you with all that information at all as to what's going on in the game. 
What it does provide you with, however, are pieces of the game's instruction manual. And what makes these pages really kind of special is that most of these pages are not in English. Uh, I read a few review of this game, uh, reviews of this game as I was playing through it, and one review I think really kind of struck through to uh, struck true to me in describing these pages as sort of being like um, if ever you like imported a Japanese game and you were flipping through the game's instruction manual, and every now and then, uh, a couple of times per page, you would like recognize either a word that was explicitly written in English or a word that was written in Japanese, but like it's a common enough Japanese word that you recognize, like, oh, that's sugoi, oh, that's arigato, that means thank you. Uh, that is exactly what reading uh, this game's instruction manual pages are like. Uh, you are provided with a lot of illustrations and diagrams and very little text uh, around these uh, pictures and diagrams that explains what you're actually looking at, what the game is trying to kind of communicate to you. And it's up to you to kind of use what information you're provided and other context clues in the game to kind of suss out uh, what you need to do and where you need to go. And that kind of central puzzle aspect of the experience of playing through Tunic is so, so incredibly satisfying. I'm not going to lie to you uh, and claim that there weren't moments playing through Tunic where I was like, all right, I really don't know where it is that I need to go next. I really would appreciate if the game very kind of firmly directed me uh, in the direction that I uh, need to go next. Um, but ultimately, when I did figure out where it is that I needed to go, the like level of satisfaction that I got was that much more satisfying. Honestly, I would say that it was considerably more satisfying than the satisfaction that I got even kind of discovering where I needed to go in the original Dark Souls. Uh, the original Dark Souls was, you know, a fantastic experience that I loved playing back when I experienced it for the first time in 2013. But that game, I would argue, is perhaps a little bit too oblique. It's definitely uh, a little bit too unclear to a fault, I would say, in terms of where you got to go and what you got to do next. And uh, truth be told, I relied pretty heavily on online guides as I was playing through it to figure out uh, how to kind of keep to its golden path. In this game, uh, up until the very end, I never relied on any external guides. I was able to puzzle things out entirely using the material that the game gave me. The only time I consulted online and what I needed to do was after I had beaten the game and I just wanted to touch base on a couple of things with regards to the ending or perhaps how you could arrive at an alternate ending. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, mm. And yeah, and there's a, a whole lot that I could talk about with regards to this game. Uh, like you said at the front, we're not going to go into our complete thoughts of it on this episode because we want to uh, wait to hear what AJ uh, thought of it as well on uh, our next episode. Uh, but just to kind of like touch base on a couple of other aspects of the experience, the music, uh, amazing, very kind of haunting and atmospheric. Uh, the combat system, surprisingly great, uh, feels like a much more kind of speedier and less uh, stiff rendition of the combat that you get out of Soulsborne games with a like, surprisingly uh i would say 
usable repertoire of items it oftentimes can feel like there are only like one or two items of any real use in soulsborne games and everything else is only for the like most hardcore of hardcore to figure out how to make useful uh graphically the game is uh really kind of beautiful uh, i realize that it's a kind of graphical art style we've seen a lot of other games uh employ over the course of the uh past like decade of indie gaming but it really does kind of hit home uh and while I don't unfortunately understand everything about this game's story because so much of it is so uh, oblique and shadowy, I will say that the parts I did understand were really honestly kind of gut-wrenching at moments. And yeah, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, so I'll give my opinion from the 30 minutes to an hour I played of it. Um, this game I should love. This should be the type of game that speaks to me. Um, I love Link's uh, Awakening. It's my favorite Zelda game. Um, I love the art style of the characters. I love a lot of what this game does. I hate the combat. Mm. I hate the Soulsborne aspects of the combat in the game. Um, it got a little better once I got the sword. Um, but it's still not good. Mm. Um, I feel like there's characters that hit me, um, and like, I should just be ready for them to hit me, but there's no windup for it. They just like hit me and I need to be dodging and rolling. And that is not what I want for my gameplay experience, unfortunately. And this, like I said, this should be something I really actually fall in love with. Hmm. Um, and a lot of it I do like, I just don't like the combat. Do you mind so, if I go a little bit into spoilers? Uh, I guess so. So did you ever figure out slash get to a point in the game where you could figure out how to kind of upgrade and improve your base stats? Nope, not even got there. Okay. Well, the, the, the spoiler in this case is that, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a way to kind of like upgrade your base stats, uh, improve your health, improve your uh, inherent strength when you swing your sword. Um I will say, like, one of the few points in the game where I got uh, stuck for quite a bit of time was when I was facing off a, against a particularly difficult early game boss. And it was only afterwards that I realized, oh, uh, in these pages in the instruction manual that I obtained just a little bit earlier, they actually explained uh, in their kind of like very oblique fashion how I could upgrade my abilities. And that's something I actually could have taken advantage of uh, prior to taking on this boss. I don't know necessarily how if that would have like tremendously improved your own experience uh, with the game, Nathan. But uh, I will say from that point onward, like the, the game's, you know, many uh, troubles and difficult segments uh, did not end. But the game was definitely never quite as stressful to for a lack of a better word uh as it was during that one particular early boss battle okay um like maybe i'll go back to it at some point um but yeah i don't know like the whole dodging aspect i guess i really don't like soulsborne combat um mm. we um uh, so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Art of Rally uh, with uh, yes, a special that. guest in front of the show, Ben Wander. 
Uh, yep. And on that episode, we, you know, kind of had a discussion about, um, actually, hold on a second. Am I even thinking about the right game? There was some game that we talked about recently on Press YZ where I commented about the game's kind of lack of accessibility options. And I was about to say that it was Art of Rally, but the more I thought about it, I realized, wait a minute, I don't think that Art of Rally is that kind of game. And now I'm trying to rack my brain on the fly to remember what game I was about to queue up and talk about a little bit, but I don't, oh, I don't know. remember what it was. Ah, damn it. And also, uh, worth pointing out, uh, oftentimes during these segments where I'm showing footage of a game or experience on stream, I'm looking at the footage myself as well to kind of cross compare what it's showing with, you know, my own notes and experience with the game. And that's definitely not helping my concentration and helping me recall what it is that I was just about to talk about. Uh, oh, boy, the first world problems of being a podcaster with a setup like this one, huh? <laughs> there was some. Yeah, um, sorry, go ahead. I'm trying to remember. Was it is not the gunk? No trying to go through our games um it was the gunk there was and nobody saves the world nobody saves the world i don't think that really had accessibility oh you know what stuff. it was you know what it was i think it what? was unpacking where i think i complained really it's possible or maybe wasn't whatever we've wasted too okay. much time on this very kind of pointless yes. and trivial thing. My point is there was a game that we played on press YZ uh, sometime over the course of the past couple of weeks where I talked about how, you know, it wasn't all that great that the game, you know, didn't offer accessibility options that allowed me to just sort of like skim through uh, the game uh, at my own pace. And, you know, didn't really give me the kind of option to just sort of enjoy the, uh, experience as I wanted to and not have to worry about like the kind of combat and thick of it. Like, do you feel like you could get into this game if the kind of combat wasn't really a factor of it? Yeah, I would hundred percent play this game if the combat was like, cause like I said, this checks a lot of my boxes. I think the game's freaking charming. I love those instruction book pages as you find them. I think that's great. Um, I just like when it comes to the combat, this is not what I want in a game and it prevents me from playing the game. Mm. Um, so we'll see if I get to that. Um, I talked about on the podcast that I had finished writing reviews for PS4 blog.net. That's a lie. <gasps> I'm doing one last one. Cause nobody has a PSVR. I just got a code for Moss uh, book two. Whoa. Look at so, you. Yeah, so um, I'm going to be hooking my PSVR up. Well, it's already hooked up, but I'm going to be playing that this weekend. Um, and that will probably be my last one. Um, so, but yeah, nobody on their team has a PSVR and they requested the code while I was still writing reviews for them. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, I'll hopefully have some impressions of Moss Book 2 soon um looking forward to them uh, because so, i uh i yeah. still need to go back and i need to platinum the original moss unfortunately getting the platinum for the first one requires you to play through yeah. the game without, without dying, dying once which i've yeah. i've heard you can kind of circumvent by like pausing the game just as you're about to die at the, the right moment but it just it, it sounds like a hassle that 
inevitably is going to take a lot of time and you know time is obviously fleeting so yeah no agreed um i i that was another game which i looked at and it was like i could platinum this and it's like i died too many times and i don't want to do a run through where i can't die that just sounds like like you get to the near the end and then you die and then I, i i would not enjoy that yeah so um so yeah, but I'll hopefully have um, impressions on book two. Um, I thought I was just going to hold off till the inevitable collection comes to PSVR two would be my guess. Mm. Uh, we were uh, guessing about that with Kyle, I think, in the Discord chat because um, we thought it was going to be held till PSVR two um, and be a launch title for it. But I assume at this point that now they'll bring it... Um, like as a collection the complete collection or something if this is the second part of the story in one package so but who knows so that being said we're going to segue into talking about our uh talk of the show um our topic of the show and that is playstation plus plus playstation plus I I really hope that they had called it PlayStation Plus Plus. I mean, they did that with that Pokeball apparatus that I don't know if it came out or not. Did it come yeah. out? Yeah, the one where you th- like, like that's a remote control. No, they announced a new one. This is part of the same infamous press conference where they announced Pokemon Sleep, where they came out and were like, oh, we have this new apparatus called Pokemon Plus Plus. Or uh, no, oh, it was no, Pokeball Plus Plus. Yeah, I'm guessing that if the sleep game never came out, they probably never announced it uh, or rather never released it, uh, which is too bad because yeah. I'd like to own it. So, um, well, anyways, um, so we have a new version of PlayStation Plus. Now, let's go through some of the details of it because this is going to launch in June. Um, now, this is basically combining PlayStation Now and PlayStation Plus into the same thing, uh, into the same service. Um, let's talk about some of the details here since launching PlayStation plus in 2010. Can you believe it's been since 2010? It's been 12 years. I've had PlayStation plus now. Yeah. It's, um, if I can just comment on that real quick, like I don't, sometimes you kind of sit back and are like, oh man, it's really been like such a long period of time for me. I feel like it's weird. It's, it doesn't feel as long. And I also like, I feel like I can't really kind of pinpoint uh, it as being something that even started because I definitely did not own PlayStation Plus right off the jump. And I feel like, like, did PlayStation Plus not launch like around the time that the infamous PSN outage happened? No, it was the year before it. Okay. So the PlayStation Plus, um, PlayStation Plus launched the year before. They gave everybody a month free of PlayStation Plus after the outage to say, hey, we're sorry. Hmm. Um, and that's kind of their gateway to get everybody on the service. Cause they're like, Oh, this is actually pretty good. Getting these free games is good. Um, so it was a Trojan horse at the time, but it started the year before the thing about PlayStation plus when it started was it was just about the free games. You didn't need it for online. You didn't mm. need it for anything. You got free games and exclusive discounts. Do you, um, so did you own PlayStation plus from day one? I believe so, yes. Do you remember what like your first month or like your first couple of months of PlayStation Plus looked like in terms of free games? God no. Um I remember Shatter was one of them, which is a really underrated. Let me let me look that um, up real quick. Yeah. 
because what I'm about to say, what I was sort of queuing up to say is that like in addition to me, like not having gotten on the PlayStation Plus bandwagon until a couple of years after it launched, I also like I remember PlayStation Plus like not being like the kind of hottest seal in gaming when it first launched, that it took some time for PlayStation Plus to like really come into its own. It's like, oh man, there are really kind of cool indie games that they're giving away for free via this service for free, quote unquote, obviously, because you're still paying Mm -hmm. for them. Uh, But I do want to like just go back in time and see what they launch with to see if I should wipe that from the record. Okay, so the first month of PlayStation Plus was in July of 2010. Uh, The first five games that were given away were Wipeout HD for PlayStation 3, which I know people like that game. Uh, Age of Zombies for PlayStation 3 and PSP. Don't know what that is. Uh, Field Runners for PS3 and PSP. That sounds familiar, but I don't, I can't picture in my head what it looks like. And then you have Destruction Derby for PS3 and PSP. And then finally, you have Little Big Planet for PS3. So you have a couple of big hitters in there, like Wipeout HD and Little Big Planet are like, hmm. you know, uh, not insignificant uh, games that they're giving away, but it still feels a little bit kind of so so. I, I do want to just, I know I've hijacked this conversation for quite a bit. I do want to just very briefly read off the next month's list of games. Uh, this is uh, August of 2010. You have Zen Pinball for PS3, which I know some pinball aficionados out there really love, but I, I don't. It's really great. Yeah, but it is also kind of a niche game as well. Uh, you have Blast Off for PS3 and PSP. You have Alien Zombie Death for PS3, PSP. And finally, you have Medieval for PS3 and PSP, presumably the PlayStation 1 game re-released for most yeah, consoles. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because yeah, they did. They were giving away PS1 games. Same with Abe's Odyssey the next month, I think, was a PS1 game. PS1 game. Um, but then, like, if you look at each month, there's, like, a decent title each month. Ratchet & Clank Quest for Booty, which was their free DLC, or the DLC. Uh, Super Street Fighter Championship Edition. Um, so, like, they've always had a good, thi- a good thing. It wasn't until people, like, the outage happened and people got a chance to, like, get that free month of PlayStation Plus. And I'm like, oh, I do like this. And then they just kept it. So, so... I- Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I, just, I was, was going to say the other big. You go ahead first. Who? I will speak next. Okay. The other big thing about PlayStation Plus uh, was the discounts. And we can't forget, especially in the early days of it, how good those discounts were. Mm. They had a really good discount um, discount program for games um, when you were a PlayStation Plus member. So. Yeah, and sorry, I, go ahead. And I now, still, and I myself like do occasionally take advantage of those uh, discounts. I generally like I, I get more game, free games via PlayStation Plus than I buy uh, games via PlayStation Plus, obviously. But every now and then, when I do buy games, I do take advantage of those discounts. So that's definitely something that I've appreciated over time. Uh, but I do just want to kind of jump ahead a little bit. I got uh, PlayStation Plus uh, for the first time in 2015, and the reason. Uh, why I specifically remember it being that year uh, is because I was looking over at the PlayStation Plus games released in 2015. And I'm just going to quickly read over uh, the list of games that were released in May and June of that year. In May, you got Ether One 
which is like a like first person adventure game uh, simulator yeah that uh, launched i think at that point too right because remember it was it was yeah. a little bit broken at launch but i still i still thought it was fun when i played it eventually uh you have guacamole super turbo championship edition uh you have fantastic the game. unfinished swan on every platform that's released another like really fun mm. good indie uh from these same developers that made um the uh the edith finch yes edith finch uh you have race the sun which is like a fun vita indie game uh you had yep. murasaki baby another fun vita indie game and then you have hohokam uh which is another ps4 ps3 indie game then the next month, uh, June, you have Metal Gear Solid Five Ground Zeroes, so the like prequel game to Metal Gear Solid Five proper. Uh, you have Skulls of the Shogun uh, Bonafide Edition, which is a kind of like Fire Emblem esque um, tactical game that I like really enjoyed. That's actually like one of my secret low key favorite games on the console. Uh, Call of Juarez Gunslinger, which is like a surprisingly good PlayStation Three, like one of the only other games set in the wild west uh, outside of the red dead series for that platform mm-hmm. uh cloudberry kingdom on the playstation 3 which was like an early uh kickstarter success story uh i thought it was a little bit hard but you know i still respect it uh futuridium yep. ep deluxe uh, on the ps4 and vita which is like a weird music flight game didn't really connect with it you have a super exploding zoo ps4 vita and then you have drive club playstation plus edition oh. did, did drive you club was that a game you connected with? No, um, I never loved Drive Club. Um, I just feel bad for it because I believe at one point they said it was going to be free on PlayStation Plus, and then they backed out on it being free, and then they came up with this PlayStation Plus version that was not the full game. Mm. That is what they released. Um, that Drive Club got as much as I was not a fan of it. Got the um, was not great. Mm. So. Right. Um, it got better as it went, but and it was something that I could have liked, but I didn't. So, so like, um, okay, I, I do want to just say, like, you know, mind you, you know, different strokes for different blokes to each his own. But like, when I think about the, you know, lineup of games that PlayStation Plus has offered over time, like those two months stick out very finely in my mind. And I realize that that's in large part because that was when I was first introduced to the platform, as it were. But like. That lineup of games, even though not all of those games were winners, like really spoke to me like su- with surprising consistency. And I-, I feel like when I look back on the beginning of PlayStation Plus, like those games just don't really speak to me on the same level. And when I think back yeah. to some of the more recent months of PlayStation Plus, I don't feel like some of the more recent we- games we've gotten speak to me either on that level. Um, but yeah. again, that's no, just I- me. I think it's um, interesting, like this week's games or this one's games coming up are going to be Hood, um, which is another multiplayer game which failed upon launch and they need a boot shot in the arm. Battle for Bikini Bottom, which is not a great remake is my understanding, but people will like it if they played the original. Uh, my kids might like it. And Slay the Spire, which people do love. I know people love Slay the Spire. Hmm. So, um, so yeah, no. Um, uh, so, okay. So we've talked about... Um, hmm. So we've talked about the games and the PlayStation past. So, um, so they're bringing the service, they're bringing the two services together. So there's going to be three tiers cozy. Can you guess what they name these tiers? Well, unfortunately I already have the article in front of me. So, Oh, I, well then, yeah. 
I was hoping you were going to say bronze, silver, and gold, and platinum, or something to uh, I saw, correspond with their trophies. Uh, I saw that tweet going around of like, "Hey, this is what they should have called it. They should have said, hey, you have your bronze tier, your silver tier, your gold tier, and your platinum tier.'" But uh, alas, they did not go with that. What did they go with? I think so. We have the essential tier, and that is essentially what you're getting with PlayStation Plus right now. Now it provides the same PlayStation Plus benefits. Now it does say two monthly downloadable games. At the current moment, we're getting three monthly downloadable games. So we could be getting docked one game mm. um, a month. Um, exclusive. Nobody's really talked about that part. Exclusive discounts, cloud storage for saves, online multiplayer access, which is all stuff we're getting with it now. There's no changes to the existing PlayStation Plus memberships. Now, here's the thing. Everybody's talking about um, like the monthly cost. Nobody... I don't want to say nobody, but the majority of people pay per year for PlayStation Plus. I would say. I don't think people are on a monthly subscription typically. They just get the year. Um, so it'll be $59 a year in the States. We don't have Canadian pricing here, um, but I think it's 69 Canadian. Yeah, year. that sounds right. So um, that's probably not going to change. So that's what we have right now. If you're existing PlayStation Plus member, you just you're going to be on Essential. Nothing changes for you. Although we may lose a game. We'll see about that. Um, PlayStation Plus Extra. So this is the first tier up. This is going to be $99 a year. So this you know, is $40 more American. I understand why people were complaining on Twitter about PlayStation not calling these different tiers like PlayStation Plus Gold, Silver, Bronze. Because I feel like you could tell me, oh, PlayStation Essential is the most premium of the three different tiers and i would say like yeah that sounds right you could say oh it's playstation plus extra i'd be like yeah sounds correct of course extra is like the topmost way of identifying which tier is uh the greatest like none of these three titles speak to me as like oh yeah this is the lowermost one this is the middle one and this is the topmost one yeah um yeah, so I know the naming convention is super interesting. It's almost like they called Nintendo and we're like, hey, can you help us name something? We heard you guys are good at naming things. Um, that was a dig at Nintendo. Sorry, Nintendo fans. Um, I'm sure Nintendo does some good stuff. I don't know a single person who's month to month with a game and stuff. Yeah, no, very. Well, that's not true, actually. I'm month to month on Game Pass. So am I. Because you can't buy a year of it. Um, I am going to um in the near future go buy cards and just subscribe a whole bunch of buy three month a bunch of three month cards of it just so i can have it because it's cheaper um and the longer i put that off the more i'm going to pay for it but that is something you can do so let's talk about the extra tier so the extra tier provides all the benefits of the essential tier and then it adds a catalog of up to 400 and there's a star beside it um of the most enjoyable ps4 and ps5 games including blockbuster hits from PlayStation Studio catalog and third-party partners. Uh, games in the extra tier are downloadable for our play. Now, I want to go to the stars so we can read the stars. So um, PlayStation, none of that's important. Okay, so we don't have to worry about talking about that. Um, so then the final tier. So the first one went up $40. This is up $20 more American from that, $60 from the original, Double, essentially double the um essential pricing and this is provides all the benefits of the essential and extra tiers it adds up to 340 more games including ps3 games via cloud streaming 
a catalog of beloved classic games available both streaming and download options for the original PlayStation, PS2, and PSP generations, which I don't think anybody saw PSP coming. Offers classic there access a whole for lot the of, It's not that nobody saw it coming. It's that not a lot of people were really asking for PSP games. They're going to look terrible on the big screen. Yeah. Um, no, nothing against a PSP, uh, by the way. Fun console, but, you know. I've been looking at buying one, uh, potentially. Um, but they're not going to look good on a big screen. Um, offers cloud streaming access for original PlayStation 2, PSP, PS4, and PlayStation games. Um, and customers can stream games using PS4 and PS5 on their consoles and PCs. And then the other thing, time-limited game trials will also be in this tier, so customers can try select games before they buy them. So they have done this in the past for just PlayStation Plus, where they're like, you don't know if you like Death Stranding? You can try f- 10 hours of Death Stranding or something. I don't know if it was 10 hours, but like so many hours of Death Stranding. Sure. They had it for Sackboy, I think, too. Um, so they've done this a few times with these time trials where you just get so many hours of the game before they cut it off. Hmm. So, and that's going to be running at $120. So I think I lied actually when I said the pre- previous tier was the where the PlayStation Now is added because that's obviously not true because the PS3 games are included in the final tier. So it's kind of the middle tier is kind of an in-between with more modern games. So if you don't care about retro games or playing the retro, like the older ones, there might be a good catalog of PS4 and PS5 games here to play. Well, so here's my thing. I posted this on Twitter after this news came out earlier this week. Whether or not I buy into PlayStation Plus Premium or potentially even PlayStation Plus Extra is really dependent on what these catalogs look like. There are a lot of games from the PlayStation 3 era and earlier uh, that kind of fell through the cracks of sort of the kind of cultural consciousness surrounding them, despite being really kind of good. I believe I've talked about this game in the podcast, uh, 3D Dot Game Heroes, that like weird Zelda-like that was published by Atlas during the PlayStation 3 era. I have looked into getting that game uh, for my still-kicking PlayStation 3, and that game is crazy expensive on the reseller's market. And like, I would love it uh, if games like that were made available via PlayStation Plus Premium or even Extra, but part of me fears that we are going to be getting some of the kind of more mainstream trendy titles right off the bat for this service. And that it's going to take a little while for some of those deeper cuts to make their way to the platform. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So we'll see what this looks like. You're right about waiting for the library. And I think what I'm more curious about is what they're, third-party relationships look like and what they brought in because the big question now is is this a competitor to game pass and um yes and no um it definitely is a subscription service like game pass so yeah and it's going to be competing for people's dollars in a similar way but if you're on playstation you don't own an xbox there's a good chance you'll get this if the catalog's good and it makes sense and um just like and cozy you would agree with me that playstation plus has actually done a good job at launching new games on that service correct yeah i mean it's not like every single month but there are definitely very distinctive instances that we can point to uh like rocket league for example or, or uh I, that's a, i mean that's the only one that's coming to mind but i understand that me 
blanking on other examples doesn't mean they didn't happen. It has definitely helped launch some pretty significant titles on the platform. I'm just going to throw out there talking about some bug snacks. That's a good point. Yeah, I should have remembered that. That was, of yeah. course, uh, at the launch of the PlayStation 5. Uh, Abe's Odyssey, whatever that new one was. Right. Um, so there's a few. Um, uh, so, yeah. So, um, so is it? A, so let's talk about. So it's definitely a subscription service and it's competing for your dollars. Now, that being said, I don't think Microsoft and PlayStation are in the same position. Now, Jim Ryan has come out and said that there will not include day one games on this. Hmm. Now, I don't think that's 100% true. I think there's games you could see that have heavy microtransactions come to day one. I think Last of Us Factions, whenever that comes out, um, as it's a pure multiplayer game, could have skins or other things, and that could drive the business. I could see that being a PlayStation Plus, uh, like, premium game. I... Mm. See, we've not really talked about that game a whole lot on this podcast. I, I have this whole theory yep. about that game, which is that I think that when we do see that game again, that game is going to be way bigger than any of us anticipated it would be. I think that game is I agree with that. like it will basically be Naughty Dog's next big game. Uh, not like necessarily on the same scale as like The Last of Us Part 2, but something equivalent if not bigger than say uncharted lost legacy for example uh and i think that that might put it out of the running for what you're describing but i honestly don't know i i think they would put it on the service because i well i think um uh what did i just say it was called out outcasts no uh, uh placed last of us out you're talking about the multiplayer mode yeah Factions. What's it called? Factions. Thank you. I was going to call it Outcast. Why was I thinking Outcast? Multi um, factions um, is a niche title. I don't think when people think the Last of Us, they're thinking about a multiplayer to game, and I think people who did play the multiplayer liked it. And that I will say that I know people really responded to that multiplayer aspect of it, but I think it's a small group of people, and I think you put it in the service, you get more people immediately playing it because you need that for the uh, for the economy of it to work, and you have microtransactions in it. We know Sony is working on uh, like wants to get the online service stuff working. I think that's why they bought. Um, um bungie the de destiny developer so they could understand how to get that stuff working right away so um so yeah i i think it makes sense for them to do that and i could see games like that launching i think there's no way that mlb the show does not launch on this service next year yeah if it's coming to game pass again yeah i can see that so once again a heavy microtransaction driven style game um so yeah um so but so yeah so i i could see sony change that but for now you're not gonna see god of war ragnarok on there you're not gonna see infamous third um i don't know pokeball. third son <laughs> infamous third yeah. son pokeball you yeah. heard it here first um, hers fuck Damn it. We both <laughs> tried to we're say not good with the words things today. And yeah, we were not good with the words. Damn it. Not not good with the words today. Um, so, yeah. So I think 
like it's not a one-to-one comparison you're not going to see those next big sony friend uh, flagships um and the reason why we're struggling to say flagships is because after god of war we just don't really know what's coming down the pipeline um so that'll be more interesting to see um but i don't think they need to either i think microsoft was in a position let's keep in mind that microsoft really did not launch a great many great games during the xbox one generation Mm. that blew people's socks off i think the halo series really underperformed i know people love the master chief collection but it was a mess when it launched and it took years for it to get to where it is now yeah speaking of things that Uh, we're holding off on discussing till next episode that halo series i have some thoughts that we won't talk about now but yeah (laughs) wait till next episode to hear what we thought okay um so yeah um so they don't need to do that microsoft did microsoft needed to earn their goodwill because up until really the end of last year where they dropped forza and then halo within a few weeks of each other and was terrible decision because it cannibalized forza's um it cannibalized forza um it was not um going so hot for them so yeah, um, they needed this, and Game Pass really turned things around for them. They promised all their first-party titles, and they did come out. And it, like, it made a big splash, the fact that you got Forza Horizon 5 for free, um, that you got Halo um, Infinite for free. And there's promise of more first-party games to come from Microsoft. None of that's dated at the moment, but there is that coming for the service. But they need to do that because they need to show the quality that they have of games. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, PlayStation does not need to show you that. You've been buying PlayStation because of PlayStation games for years. They, at this point, I believe have reached the echelon of Nintendo quality when people talk about that Nintendo first party quality. In fact, in some ways I'd argue they surpassed the Nintendo third first part or um, quality in some ways. Nintendo still has some great games that come out, but they put their share of more crap out too. With Sony, yeah. it's far more not that way but i will say to to be praiseful of nintendo for a second like the lineup of games that uh they offer via the nintendo online subscription is way more pitiful than anything that you can find on xbox game pass or this upcoming revamp to playstation plus but when they unveiled that nintendo 64 games were coming to nintendo switch online they did it right they spent a short but meaningful segment on a nintendo direct talking about them teasing what you could expect out the gate and what was in the pipeline and that got people way more excited for again that very small pitiful lineup than i feel like i see people getting excited for the much bigger wealth of psp and ps2 games coming to this so yeah. I feel like there are definitely there are definitely lessons to be learned from each person throwing their ring in the hat, throwing their hat in the ring. Yeah, I, mean. I, I agree with that. And while this is a blog post and it could have been predicted to be a blog post, I think the thing is, is that they should have really had this in their last state of play. Yeah. Um, and or like had this first state of play, even if it was like five or ten minutes. It doesn't need to be long and just. Talk about the games. Talk about the developers you've or publishers you've got deals with. Um, because there's too many questions that still need to be answered about what these games are. 
And that's what it really comes down to. We need to have an understanding. Are we going to have first, like, tell us the banners that are going to come like this year, day and date. Microsoft does that all the time. Coming to Game Pass, coming to Game Pass, coming to Game Pass. Tell me what's coming to PlayStation Plus Premium slash uh, Extra. For sure. Tell that to me. For sure. So um, uh, give me some notice. I think that would go a long way. And I think... um, Look, you're seeing two thoughts on Twitter right now. Like, oh, Nintendo PlayStation's used a ripoff of the service. It doesn't even compete with Microsoft. And other people saying, well, they don't need to compete with Microsoft. And they're right. There are more PlayStation 4s in the wild by like a three, three to one margin, four to one margin. Yeah. Over the Xbox Ones. And definitely the PlayStation 5s, I still believe, have outsold the Xbox um, series, but it's For a sure. much closer thing this time. But that's just basically all in availability as well. Every single PS5 sells out, every single Series X sells out. You'll see some S's on the shelves occasionally. So every single unit that comes in is sold for PlayStation. So we can't really talk sales numbers of it, but they're selling definitely more competitively right now. But PlayStation is a mar- the market leader and they don't need to provide those games because at this point, people are still buying their systems. They're still buying the games. It doesn't make sense for them to put them free. So, um, yeah, I don't know. And I'm not defending PlayStation that I love Game Pass. I love playing those games right away. And I do think that there's value in that. Um, but to Jim Ryan's quote, if they did that, it would harm the quality of how their games are. So um, because they'd all of a sudden be like it completely change how their development cycles work and everything that goes on with that. Hmm. Well, we'll have to wait and see. I can totally see a, a future in which PlayStation kind of reverses uh, course on a couple of these decisions. And we do see the likes of God of War launch day and date. But, you know, unfortunately, we'll, we'll still have to wait a few months even for this service to launch, which I know some people were complaining about on Twitter being a little bit too far out. But, you know, alas, this is the hand we've been dealt for now. I think there's some notice that they need to give um, like people who are existing subscribers as this stuff changes over because um, we're still three months out, I think, from the service change. So I still think there's a lot. I think there's some legal reasons why they have to announce it so far early mm. as well as preparing for it by removing existing cards and switching things over. Gotcha. Um, at least, I don't know. I could be speaking out my ass. Who knows? Yeah, it sounds right. I've been told I do that, but I think there's other like things in why we're waiting. So at this point, is this good? Cozy, I'm going to quantify, is this good by you are currently a PlayStation plus subscriber? Am I correct with that? Yes. You do not have PlayStation now. Am I correct with that? Yes. So as a plain PlayStation plus subscriber, do you think you need to go to the extra or to the premium tier at this current moment? I think that I'm going to have to get the premium tier if I feel like the lineup of uh, games from the PlayStation 2, uh, PlayStation 1, PSP era are really, really strong. I think that I, I would only consider going to the PlayStation uh, extra tier if I feel like the lineup of PlayStation 4 games from that catalog is like quite expensive and not just like a lot of duplicates like a lot of fifas a lot of 
you know, games of that nature. Uh, otherwise, I would say no. But again, that's just how I'm feeling now. We shall see. Okay. Um, currently, I got to see the um, PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 1 and 2 games. I'm going to be honest. I don't play old games a whole lot. Um, and I could see a situation where the extra fits my needs. But once again, I need to see that library games. And that's what it's going to come down to for us. Uh, and I think for a lot of people is what does that library of games look like? So we need to get a better understanding of that. Um, so, yeah, I think it sounds like we will be potentially upgrading. Here's the deal. That's a win for PlayStation. If people like I think it's 5% of users have PS now right now. Yeah. Um, where like a huge chunk of, um, I think it's, I saw something that said 95%, but that can't be right. Um, 90% of people have PlayStation plus, um, something about that doesn't make sense to me, but regardless, if only like a small portion of it, if you have like 30% of those people upgrade to extra tiers, that's a win for PlayStation. So yeah, it really just at that point comes down to, um, does this make financial sense for PlayStation? If they're going to make a ton more money, I guess that is really what it comes down to. So, so definitively, the stance from Press YOZ is we don't know. We have to wait and see. All right. We've solved the problem, Cozy. The internet debate can end. We have. Is that exciting? I'm really, truly excited. I, I hope that people, you know, reference this game in the uh, reference this game, reference this podcast in the Annals of History as the podcast that solved the raging debates of whether or not uh, PlayStation Plus Plus was worth it uh, a few months out from its official release. But I suppose that we'll have to wait for that to happen as well. Yes. Well, it does sound like we're going to have to wait for that to happen. Uh, we're still a few months away. So before we understand um what this is actually going to look like so um yeah okay we've spun our tires enough i think at this point don't you agree cozy yeah i think that we have reached the natural and logical and conclusive conclusion of the show all right perfect okay so let's wrap up the show then i gotta pull up my show notes here so i can get the ending right although i could probably do it without it do um it. but Thank, thank you to turning tuning in to Press YOIZ. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please be sure to follow us on Twitch, subscribe to us on YouTube, and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also check us out on Twitter at Press YYZ and slide into our Discord at invite.gg slash Press YYZ to keep the conversation going. Until next time, thank you for playing. <laughs>